Welcome to Thought Revolution. This is a show for leaders like you who want to learn how to lead and manage in a way that expands your impact and influence. My name is Kristen Nebro and I am the founder of Impact Consultancy. And I'm excited to share with you my biggest aha moments and thought-provoking concepts that are designed to free up your time, your team's capacity, and your ability to create impact in the world. Let's go. Hey, welcome to episode 19, Why Leadership Needs Management. I think that's a killer title. We're going to talk more about what that means. My name is Kristen Ebro. Again, I am the leader of the Thought Revolution and the founder of Impact Consultancy. I'm super excited to be with you here today. And I'm excited because we're going to be launching into some new rebranding here in the next couple of weeks. And so look out for that. But um, so why leadership needs management and why we're talking about that. And I just think it's important to draw some distinctions. Uh, and that's really what this show is about is continuously drawing distinctions so it can add some value to how you're thinking about the revolution that uh, you're leading in your workplace, in your life, whatever that looks like. So I'm going to start with one here. And one of the things I think it's important here is that being a leader and practicing leadership stands alone as something that you are and not something that you do. And I think that's really important because a lot of times we'll talk about taking leadership um, or you know, somebody needs to you know step up and be a leader. And I think it's really interesting that we put it that way because that's really what it's about. It's like a way of being and it becomes who we are and it rises from a commitment. Like it's not just something that you just do. I think we... I think leadership gets looked at as just like taking control or taking power or, or, you know, owning a situation to some extent. And I think in the smallest sense, maybe. But for me, I think leadership really is about creating a future that wasn't going to happen. And so in that sense, taking maybe control of a situation like a meeting and moving it forward, kind of like leadership. But as we'll kind of unfold this, that might look more like actually just managing the situation. Leadership might be something slightly different. And when I say it rises from commitment... It means that there's a future that you're really committed to creating that's bigger than you and everybody else, that it's going to take some work. And that commitment might come from, um, you know, a a, a need to, you know, create accountability. So creating an accountable team. Um, This is in the workplace. Creating an inspired workplace or an inspired workforce. And what's interesting about this is if we come back to the distinction, it stands alone, leadership stands alone as something that you are. It requires then that you be that commitment that you begin to become that future so in other words you are someone who holds themselves and others highly accountable you are someone who begins practicing um, being inspired talking inspired um, doing things that inspire you so that others are going to be inspired um, to find things that inspire them right so whatever that looks like and um and it's never one thing and it it changes it really does so um let's just finish with this thought right here everyone can be leader. And I think that's what's exciting. And I don't think that's throwaway, but I also don't think that's easy. So we're going to take a look at this today. Mo Jessa, he's the president of Earl's Kitchen and Bar, and uh, he said it best. And they've got a fantastic operation going over there. I love it. They put leadership development first. And it's really cool when you go in there and you read more about what they're up to. But he said, you can have management without leadership, but you cannot have leadership without management. And I feel like there's truth there. And if you really think about it, you think about what that might mean, um, it's really powerful that you can have management without leadership, 
but you cannot have leadership without management. You really need management to move the vision forward, but you can move the day-to-day -day without leadership. So what is management? And I'm just going to put out a definition. I'm not saying that this is correct. It's the right thing, but just to, as a place for us to be thinking about things. And so for me, management are really the hard skills and other structured ways of doing things that can be taught. So how to set expectations, how to communicate, how to provide feedback, how to handle conflict, how to manage budgets, how to create schedules, all of that. And some of those things are supervisory. And then some of it is about just managing the work itself. So seeing it and seeing it move. So my company, Impact Consultancy, focuses heavily on this at the moment because I really think that the current state of management is just a lot like parenting. Like there's, there's no instruction manual. You do it. It looks exciting. It sounds interesting. You want to make a difference. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, how do I do this? And there's a billion books out there and a billion theories that are based on people's experience and some really good evidence. Um, and yet you're still going to try 99 ways to approach one problem. Um, and what happens for a lot of parents, which happens for a lot of managers, is that you end up learning on the job and you do your best, but you end up reacting to just what gets thrown at you. And you grow through that reaction. Uh, and a lot of folks end up not in parenting, but in managing, the default right now is to go find trainings. Like we just get sent to trainings and that's the place where we're supposed to learn and grow either by trial by fire um, because either you quote unquote got it or you don't because you're organized or you're not or you're accountable or you're not or you go to trainings um, to build your skill. Sometimes people will send you to trainings to build your aptitude, but the point is folks get sent to trainings. And um, I just think that that's weird. <laughs> To be honest with you, I just have a different point of view about it. So at Impact, we just think, why learn about something when you can build something, right? Just be the leader that you want. And uh, it's kind of like saying, you know, I'm going to go learn about bike riding. I think mean, people kind of get that, right? You just, it's leadership and management are both as lived experiences. So you can't learn about it. You have to actually do it. And I just think it's way cooler to just build. It's, it's more effective. So when we work with leaders and teams to consciously build management systems to help them adapt to change or improve performance, um, we're actually like teaching them to create something. But the point is it can be taught. So we can, I can come in and work side by side with somebody um, to create a system to help um, move their goals or move their work forward so they can see issues better, be more predictive instead of reactive. It can be built. It can be taught. And then someone can be coached inside of that system. That's management. Leadership is different. So at Impact, we're getting ready to launch into this, this coming up fall. Uh, but let me define it for us. So from my perspective... Leadership is creating a future that otherwise would not have happened, period. So three things. It's created. It's a choice. It's caused, right? It is an act. So I think that's really important to understand. Two, it's about future. And I think that's really important to understand too because as human beings, we have this really unique ability to create a future and we don't always act on that. I, I, I just, this is really important. Go ahead. I dare you to go home tonight and try to teach your dog or your cat the concept of tomorrow. <laughs> you can't do it. Good luck. And so three, it's also about a chosen future. So it's created, it's about future, and it's about a chosen future. Now, you really have to put these pieces together. See, most of us, most of the time, just live into the next moment. The next morning, the next meeting, the next project, the next assignment, the next conversation, and so on. That, to me, is just existing. Leading is choosing. So it's choosing the morning, 
choosing the meeting, choosing the conversation. So it's about having a future that you're interested in having created and then choosing what the morning is going to look like to move you closer to that future, choosing the meeting that you're going to have and really thinking about the process and making that happen, choosing the conversation and changing that. So that's what we're going to talk about today. So let me give you a glimpse of what living a life by default looks like and what it does, um, what it looks like to not choose. Cause I, I, I can give you tons of examples from my life. So I have, um, this commitment to a healthy life and to fitness. And I know I struggle on and off just being able to, and here's, here's the message I play in my mind, find the time. Um, and I have all sorts of reasons why that's hard. And so here's my default morning, just so you understand things. If I did nothing about it every single morning, uh, my wife is out the door super early. She's out the door about 5, 5.30 a.m. to go get in her run or her yoga because she's super committed to, um, you know, she's excited. So her most recent goal is to try to get into the Boston Marathon. Super excited about that. That's a goal. That's not the future that she wants. The future that she wants is even bigger than that. But my, that means my morning is, so I've got a, a four-year-old. He comes in my room and he's in there every single day. As soon as like my wife leaves, you can just like count to five seconds and all of a sudden you hear the pitter-patter of little feet. And he comes right into my room and he's up and he's like, hey, dada. And then he's got a bunch of questions because that's what he does. He's like a Teddy Ruxpin. He just never stops talking. Um, so my guy, my little guy is in my room every single morning. And then um, he's not just in there to be quiet. He's not in there to suck a thumb and to go to bed. He's in there to get me up because he wants stuff. And so all of a sudden what's happening next is typically he's asking for cereal. He's asking for water. He's asking for a spoon. Nope. I need another spoon. Nope. I need a different bowl. Nope. I actually need like a napkin now. Right. And so on and on and on and on and on. And so, um, I know what the morning's going to look like. I know I'm not going to be able to sleep. I know I'm not going to be able to sneak downstairs and try to sneak in a workout because he's going to be awake. I know that even if he's awake, he's going to have a billion requests. And then inevitably what happens almost every single day is at some point in time, usually about 20 minutes in, he gets frustrated and he's going to get grumpy and he's going to get upset and he's going to get pissed off. And then I'm going to get pissed off. I'm tired. I'm frustrated. That's my default morning, right? Over and over and over again. I've been trying to figure that one out. And of course, somewhere inside of that, my daughter, who's a little bit older, starts to wake up because she hears all the commotion. And now I've got a whole household and I'm not able to work out. Now, I could always try to work out after everybody's gone, but by then it's usually 8.30 or 9 and I need to be in, in work mode. So that doesn't quite work. Or I'll give you another example. Here's my default. This When I was um, previously in a work environment, um, this is what my default meetings look like. My team would get together. Um, all of a sudden, our leadership would put out some information. Nobody would say anything. Like, it would just be silent. And they'd be asking for input. And all that we ever said is, we want to have more input. We want to have more input. But when they asked for it, all that the they would get was silence. Maybe some, like, really critical questions. And then, of course, after the meeting, there was a ton of gossip. Right. So there's a meeting after the meeting and people are gossiping like, why didn't they think of this? Why didn't they think of that? Everyone's got like these deep philosophical thoughts. And then they're like, because that's our leadership. Right. Like that was our default meeting. That is not a chosen future. So let me tell you what choosing my morning looks like. I decided rather than going from, and these were the tapes that were playing in my head, I can't work out because, and you just name it, because Wilson's up early, because then my daughter's up early, because they, my kids have a bunch of needs, because my wife won't give me the time that I need to go work out, because I have to work too early, because my daughter's school starts too late, and then I'm not able to go work out, blah, 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 right? Because I'm too tired because I work too late. I can give you a billion excuses why I'm not working out. Um, and all of them, to some extent, have some legitimacy to them, quite frankly. But that's the whole point of how these things work. What I did is I decided to shift the, conf 
the context because I am committed to something different from my life. I'm committed to being around here as long as possible. Um, I'm committed to having a super healthy lifestyle um, that allows me to be active with my kids because I'm really interested in making sure that my body and my mind is working really well so that if I'm blessed with grandkids or great grandkids, I get to be as springy and upbeat as possible with them. I want to be an asset, not a lot of liability um, to my wife, my kids, my grandkids, um, my great grandkids. Isn't that a cool thought? Like, I don't even know what they're going to look like. Hopefully like a little bit of me. So anyways, um, I say all that because what I'm, what I chose to do, I choose my mornings now. So what I'm doing is I'm choosing instead of like being victim, I can't because, um, or I would be trying to sneak in workouts and then feel like I was interrupted. My mornings now are about choosing. I'm choosing to be a role model now to my kids instead. And what works for you is going to be different, but that works for me because I usually tend to come from wanting to teach or convey. So now all of a sudden, like I see it as an opportunity to show Wilson, like, hey, buddy, we're going to go downstairs. I'm going to show you what health looks like. I'm going to show you what being a healthy dude um, can look like for you. And he thinks it's awesome. Like, he'll we'll watch TV and I'm just going to like work out next to him. And I choose to be interrupted. I'm like, I really want you to interrupt me at least 20 times because then I can talk to him about not just interrupting, but be able to figure out like how to show him what it looks like for me to like wait and hold my breath while I'm trying to lift a weight until I can actually uh, make sure I respond to him. My point is I'm choosing. I'm choosing that these things are going to happen because they're going to happen. And now I can flex around the circumstances for sure. Like that's, that's something, that's a totally different conversation. Like, could I get somebody in, you know, to, to take over some stuff? Could I rearrange my life? Probably. But I'm also just choosing. I'm choosing to experience the same thing, but experience it differently. I'm choosing to see myself not as somebody who's going to be interrupted, but as someone who's going to show you what hard work looks like. I'm choosing um, to accept the interruption is going to come. I'm choosing to know that I won't get a workout done in 20 minutes, right? I'm choosing that a workout is going to happen in 30 minutes. And it's just a different place to come from. And I'll never forget the day that I chose to speak up to my team and just share with them, like, I'm not participating in gossip anymore. Um... Because I feel like, because I was somebody who would just be a part of it sometimes. And I realized what I got from participating in gossiping, even if I was just there to like listen, is I got an opportunity to not only just be a part of a group, but I was realizing I got an opportunity to like feel like I was right. Um, Feel like I, you know, had some kind of say in it. I didn't need that need fulfilled. It didn't make any sense. And so um, I got to choose to be for a different kind of workplace. I'll never forget like sharing that with people and like somebody came and they were super confused and they're like, Chris, did you find Jesus? And I was like, no, I found accountability, uh, which is totally different. And um, I chose to speak up in meetings, but I chose to make sure before meetings happen that I was asking, you know, you know, what kinds of things are going to happen? What kinds of um, decisions were made that I can be thoughtful about before I walk in the meetings so that I know as you're trying to find input, you're not getting somebody who's just giving you skepticism back. Um, I chose to pause and at least speak up and say, you know what, I just need like, you know, uh, a day to think about what you just presented. I think I appreciate what you guys just did and um, I'll make sure that I share some of my thinking with you later. I wanted to be for leaders in a really different kind of way and, and not to, you know, sell out if I felt like they were throwing us under the bus, but I thought, you know what, the leaders are making um, their best, their best decision making, um, whether I thought it was correct or not. And my opportunity in this, the future I was choosing, was a workplace where we were um, shoulder to shoulder. And so what would it look like for me then to be shoulder to shoulder with them? Totally different. And so I chose that I was going to um, know that 
decisions were going to come my way and that I was going to begin to take those on slightly differently. So choosing just looks really different. And what I'm saying here, it's not magic. It's not snapping your fingers. I think creating features takes diligence, and that's why we don't do it as often. And I don't want um, it to sound like you know, choosing and, and taking leadership is just about changing your attitude because it really is about not just deciding like, you know what, I'm going to be different today. Like that's not what I'm saying. I am saying, and, so, and, and if you can really hear it, that you've created like how you want the future to look. Um, in both instances, I wanted a different morning and I wanted a different future. I didn't want a future where when it came to health, um, I wasn't exercising and then I was feeling tired and then I was feeling like um, it was hard for me to engage um, with my kiddos. I didn't want a future where um, I was skeptical, where I was frustrated, where I didn't feel like I had any say in where we were going. I did want a future when it came to my health where I was feeling like I was vibrant. I was feeling like I had zest and vitality. And I was feeling like I had ownership over how I wanted that to go. And I did want a future at work where I was shoulder to shoulder with my management team, where I was a contributor, not a detractor, um, and where I was going to take more ownership over my own thinking. Um, But every single one of those futures requires then goals, right? So even the goal for me is like, okay, I'm going to work out for 30 minutes instead of 20. I'm going to have 20 interruptions instead of zero, whatever that looks like. And so I think that's really important because as I mentioned before, that's exactly why leadership needs management. I think big future requires big goals and big goals need big structure. And there's no two ways around it. If I'm going to start to maybe like decide I'm going to save up for a car, I can't just like save up. Like I have to have structure for that. Um, If I'm going to run a marathon, then I'm going to need some structure. I need a running plan. That's a big goal. I need big structure. I need to know what I'm eating, when I'm going to run, how I'm going to create that time to run. Now they've got a a family and work. So that's so true. And when you take on a new future and you have a big goal, whether it's in your life or it's in your organization and it's with your team, you have to understand this. And I can't say this strong enough. And I wish I would have said this earlier in the podcast. I hope you're still with me. You're creating an imbalance. Okay? You're going to create an imbalance. And when you have big goals, that's what happens. So when your demand spikes, when your staffing drops, when targets rise, etc., an imbalance exists. It's going to show up. And you're taking on something big, so you're going to be – you're not – this, this myth of like work-life balance and balance in your life and going back to quote-unquote normal, like, no, you're exiting that the moment that you have a big goal. You're creating a new quote-unquote normal and you have to know that you're creating an imbalance w- with what was there before. There's no two ways around it. Otherwise, your goal is just not really big enough. And so I think that's what makes leadership so hard is typically we take on bigger goals, which is the right thing to do, but then everyone thinks that the balance is still going to be there and it won't. So you need management. Some management structures here to create the structure to see and solve issues. Uh, you need it to see if you're on track. You need to assess what actions are making the most um, difference. That's the power of management to make a leadership vision a reality. Manage is about conserving your energy to be efficient and effective. Management doesn't need anything other than a default future, right, to be efficient and effective. Even if you have the same target, you know, week after week, year after year, you're still going to need management to deal with issues that come up and unforeseen problems. That's really important. But leadership is about choosing. It's about striving for a declared future. This is where we're headed. This is the goal we're going to create. Now we have some imbalance and there's no way to get there without having some structure. And if you have big goals, you need big structure. And that's your management. 
And I think that's really important because without them, you're going to have, you know, um, you're going to have a struggle. And here's the other thing that it creates why management is so important. Big goals also require big distinctions and mindsets. So that's what we're teaching folks to keep choosing, right? And so one of the distinctions I'm going to end here with, and the, the last thought for the day is what I call no blame, no excuses. See, here's what usually happens. If we don't get a result, we typically go to blame. Leaders blame teams. Teams blame other teams, individuals blame other individuals, and with blame comes excuses, like why it didn't happen. And usually those excuses um, sound more like their external issues that got in their way, or maybe they lack the support that they thought that they deserved, you know, or maybe other people just didn't do their jobs, whatever that looks like. What we're saying with no blaming, no excuses, the no blame part is it's not about the people. It's about the process. So we're starting there. It. You may find that there's something happening with your folks, but we start with what is gone wrong with the process? What wasn't designed well? Um, what's not happening that should have happened? That not a person didn't do, but that the process was missing. So we're hard on process and we're soft on people. The no excuse side though is something different. And what we're asked, so if leaders are not going to blame and they're going to be hard on process and start asking, so what about the process has made this hard for you? Okay. Because that's what leaders do need to own is about seeing and solving processes and, and problems. I'm sorry. But the no excuses part is really about the team getting to own. So the management is getting to own their role and making sure that the processes are supporting the people. That I can't stress enough. But the no excuse part is about the team now beginning to show what they have done. And what we don't want are reasons. We don't want explanations. We want results. You can't have both. You can't have explanations and results. You have one or the other. But the part about no excuses is really important because we need to show what results we have created, even if we haven't been able to meet our targets. So what do I mean by that? How are you able to show me what the barriers are? How did you communicate and escalate those barriers? What did you and your team do to remove those barriers? And what result did it create when you remove them? And show me how you've been able to move the needle by identifying barriers and removing them. That's the paradigm shift, right? That's really important because what we typically do is say, oh, you didn't hit the target. What's wrong with you? Blah, 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 blame, blame, blame. Or, oh, you didn't hit the target. And maybe there's just a short like, you know, help me understand what got in your way. And maybe somebody starts there, but there's no, the no excuse part is missing. So the team is just like, whoa, we didn't have this or that or the other, you know, and of course there's a gap like, well, why wasn't that communicated? Um, and so we need a strong management system to make sure that's happening. And they're not able to really show like the difference that they made, um, you know, or it's just, um, we didn't hit the target. That's okay. Right. And so we just like, let it slide. None of those scenarios are useful. They all happen, but none of them get you the result that you want. And so what's really important to understand is to have this paradigm shift of no blame. That's a leadership mindset, and it requires that they have systems then to see. And no excuse is a staff leadership mindset, but it requires, again, that you have systems to live that paradigm. That's why we spend so much time working on management systems right now at Impact, especially, for example, the four disciplines of daily management, because what we want teams to be able to do is we want everyone to see the work. We want to see it move. We want to see those obstacles. But then as we see them, we want to see the issues move forward. Are they being removed or not? And if they're being removed, what difference is it making on performance? So we want to make sure that all of those are actually being captured and visualized. We want to see if an issue needs to move past supervisors, past managers, up to directors, that it's getting 
getting up there. And we want to see that the listening has been created and that the issues are actually being moved forward. Um, and, and what shows up. So you need a system, first of all, to show that. Otherwise, you can't have no blame, no excuses. You know, otherwise, you're just like, well, I don't blame you. And you did your best. So no, no excuses. Is, it, can't, it can't show up. It just can't show up. So you need a system. And what gets created as a byproduct excuse me, of the system is a brand new culture. And the culture that gets created is a culture of responsibility. Literally, this ability to respond, which I think is really important and is missing for a lot of us. We're going to talk about that in the next podcast or two is total responsibility. So I think this is really important. So my question for you is, where do you think you can introduce no blame and no excuses into your organization? And what systems can you begin to leverage to live this leadership practice? So, and, and I think it's really important. Why this topic? Because I think that we have strong managers and, and we want them to build strong systems to be able to solve pains and improve performance and grow people. And that's what I'm most interested in. If you're going to be the leader that you're meant to be and have the teams that they were meant to be, then you have to be focusing on removing pains and having a vision for that future so that you can grow them. And strong leaders then build mindsets. So cultures, futures, visions to solve those pains and improve performance and to grow their people, which I think is really important. But they need systems to drive the mindsets, to drive the culture. So you can see here, strong managers build systems to solve pains and improve performance and grow people. Strong leaders build mindsets to solve pains, improve performance and grow people. But strong leaders need those systems to drive those mindsets, which I think is really important. That's me like mind blown. That's my thought. That's my thought, folks. We're done with thought revolution for this week. I think that's pretty awesome. I'm going to drop a mic here. I'm going to finish on that note. I want to thank you guys so much for joining the thought revolution this week because I know all of you wake up each day with an intention to make a difference in this world instead of just going out there and making it work. I know you don't want a life where you're just coping and living, but you want a life where you're growing and having the time of your lives because you know what? We only got one. And so we might as well make, you know, the kind of life that we want. Um, next week, we're going to be talking more about um, disciplines, the four disciplines of daily management. We're going to start to get more into in these next few episodes, um, how you can begin to leverage your, your systems and try to do some really cool things to build the team that you want. So I'll talk to you guys next week.